Hello, everybody. This is another episode of the Sample Hour. I'm Drew Sample, or at Drew Sample on Twitter. You can also follow us at the Sample Hour on Twitter, or follow my brother Wes at Clever Wes on Twitter. We have a very special guest today. She is currently the contributing editor for Lady Gun Magazine. You can read a lot of her articles at ladygun.com. Uh, I found this journalist by, she published an awesome, awesome article or essay in Vice Magazine. Um, it's called, uh, it's called, I was, I was suspected as a school shooter. It's an awesome article. Check it out. Um, you can follow, her name is Gina Tron. You follow her on Twitter. It's under, it's at underscore Gina Tron. Or you can visit our website, which is www.ginatronic.com. So G-I-N-A-T-R-O-N-I-C.com. Or you can also visit our Tumblr, Tumblr page. Sorry, guys, I don't know how to talk right now. It's ginatron.tumblr.com. So during this recording, I had some issues afterward that, I mean, Gina was having some problems hearing me. Um, there's something going on with Skype, guys. I don't know why. Um, it was working perfect when I first started using it, but now, unfortunately, it's not. So I'm going to change the software I use to actually record. I think that might be half some reason, because I can hear her perfectly fine, but she can't hear me. And I think it's the software that I'm using, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experiment. But anyways, guys, enjoy this episode. Thank you so much, and I love you. Stealing of his property, we're damn good too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steel if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some search for the E so I could get some phones. Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked a left on 21 and Lewis. Some brothers shooting dice, so I said, let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said, what's up? Some brothers put some heat, so I said, I'm since these girls speak for me, I'm all glad and swerve. These looking so hard, they straight hit the curve. Want to bigger, better things than some horny tricks. I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix. I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself. I can't believe they taking more as well. They took my rings, they took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up and they all around. Can't none of them see him if they going straight down for power. They want to come up real quick before they start to clown. I best pull out my and lay them they got guns to my head, I think I'm going down I can't believe it's happening in my own town If I had wings, I would fly, let me contemplate I glance in the cut and I see my homie Nate Sixteen in the and one in the hole Nate Dog is about to make somebody's turn Now they dropping and yelling, it's a tad bit late Nate Dog and Warren G had to regulate Now I'm switching my mind back into free mode. If you 
won't skirt. Sit back and observe. I just left a gang of over there on the curb. Now they got the freaks, and that's a known fact. Before I got jacked, I was on the same track. Back up, back up, cause it's on N A T E N E, the woman to the G. Just like I thought they were in the same spot, in need of some desperate pain. The Nate Dog and the G Child were in need of something. Sexy as hell, I said, ooh, I like your size. She said my chords broke down and just sing real nice. Would you let me ride? I got a car full of girls and it's going real swell. The next stop is the east side Another episode of the Sample Hour. This I'm Bruce Sample, and I have a very special guest today. Uh, it's Gina Tron. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm good. How's it going? Excellent. Excellent. Um, so, for those of you who don't know who Gina Tron is, um, the reason why I'm having Gina on today is she wrote an awesome, awesome essay that Vice Magazine published, um, just about her crazy high school life. For the most part, was that how you say it, Gina? Yeah, I guess it was just a reflective essay about when I was um, an accused high school shooter. Which is pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just pretty crazy, like, just to think of... The usual high school past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, personally, um, like, just like just to give all my listeners a background. So, so basically, if you want, you can just say... We're, like just just real quick, explain like where you grew up um, and everything like that for me. Um, sure. So I grew up in a small town called Barrie, Vermont. Um, you know, it's pretty. In some ways, it's like a typical small town. Um, you know, it was small population. Uh, this town was a little bit. You know, had like kind of a hopeless, dreary vibe to it, especially back then. Or. Um, Shortly after, you know, it used to be a pretty thriving granite town. Um, and then it kind of, you know, a lot of the granite quarries, you know, didn't really, didn't, uh, weren't prospering as much as they were. And the town kind of, um, you know, like many towns across America, kind of went down a little bit. And, um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of halfway houses there and the court system was there. So it was pretty, uh, pretty depressing place to grow up in some ways, like a lot of People didn't see a future, and you know, it, but uh, yeah, that was that was where I grew up. Um, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Is it like a suburb town? Like, is it a like, suburb? Yeah, it's like a suburb bigger town, or is this just kind of like a? Is it kind of just in like the middle? Of- um, no, it's not really a suburb. It's like so there was like a sm- there was a the city Barry City, which is like basically just one main street, and then there was the town, which is a bunch of hills, kind of like overlooking the city. And I lived up in one of the hills. Um, but uh, it was pretty close to Montpelier. That's the capital of Vermont. So. That town, Montpelier and Barrie kind of shared, um, like, uh, they were like, that was like one of the more metropolitan areas of Vermont, even though they were still very small. I believe Barrie has a population of 9,000 in the city and about eight or 9,000 in the town. Okay. So, so like, just like to describe this stuff. So, how, uh, crap, my headphones fell out. Hold on, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so anyway, uh, on that side note, um, so just like just for like so basically, you're growing up in a small town, um, and like so you just dress differently for the most part. Is that pretty much how how it happened? Like, what did, like, what did you start picking up and stuff like that? Sorry, you're cutting out just a little bit. Cutting out, okay. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Hold on, it could be this mixer. All right, cool. Um, so when did, like, so basically you were picked on a lot in school, and so when did all of that start? Like, was it, like, normal, or were you pretty much the, the focus of everybody's, of everybody picking on you and everything like that? Well, back in, like, you know, I, I was picked on since, you know, since I started school there. I was about fifth or sixth grade. I started getting, you know, harassed a lot and I, I was dressing quite normal then there was really only one place to shop um when I lived there that was a, a mall nearby so basically everybody was wearing the same clothes I wore stuff from JC Penney's and um on any given day another girl would probably be wearing the same shirt and I was just picked on because I was pretty quiet I was you know I'm a little bit weird by nature kind of artistic type always drawing I didn't really know how to articulate myself yet um so I was a very easy target, and I wasn't dressing differently at that point. Um, I didn't start dressing differently until about uh, beginning of 10th grade. In 9th grade, there was some glimmers of, like, you know, I was wearing, like, little silver shiny shoes, but nothing that was, like, too crazy and definitely not goth or anything. Um, it was, like, 10th grade when I decided that I was kind of like, screw this, I'm, you know, I'm probably not going to fit in anyway. I've been not really trying, but trying to stay under the radar. I said I'd rather just dress how I want. And um, and I was like, uh, I was prepared to get harassed a bit for that. And I, I didn't really mind that because that's kind of came with the territory of dressing a little bit different. You really started to dress like that way just because, like I said before, you're very, you were just looking to, um, maybe it's just another way to express yourself. Um, and then, uh, well, I forgot what I was just saying there, Gina, my apologies. It's okay. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, I just, that was how I wanted to dress anyway. And I mean, it was a bit weird and it's, you know, of course you're going to get a little backlash for that. And I was, I was okay with that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so 10th grade, is that the same year that Columbine happened? Uh, no, that was my junior year. That's your junior year. So everybody's picking on you. Like you said something in the article, which I found interesting just because like, I mean, I know personally, like i I was kind of like a, in the jock crowd, but I'm not really like I'm a big dude. But I'm mm-hmm. jock, so like it kind of resonated with me. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
it like it really resonated with me because you were saying that like you even like your friends are picking on you and i was just thinking about like man i've I've totally been there like i always felt like i was the butt of the joke but i thought these people were my friends but it, like they really weren't my friends um so like would you mind like elaborating on that a little bit yeah of course um you know i feel like especially at that age it's really it's probably pretty normal and maybe it's something that people kind of don't want to talk about i think you know you're kind of forming you know who's an alpha and all that kind of stuff uh you know so in between your friends it's more like a, a ranking thing i feel like than anything else like sometimes your best friends are really are your worst enemies at that age um and there's a lot of you know you, you could feel threatened by your friends you're trying to always you know find your place within your friends uh i know like my my relationship with my friends back then it was very vicious um i feel like girls i mean i think it's girls and guys are vicious to each other within friends um in different ways guys might be more outwardly harassing each other or physical but girls can be very vicious and um backstabbing and kind of i don't know there was definitely like some kind of um you know, with my friends, it was, uh, you know, there's like borderline sexual violence and stuff. There's a lot of really, really intense stuff going on. And I, I don't think that they hated me per se, but I think that there was a lot of like, I think that in their own way that they did love me a lot and we like loved each other, but we also hated each other. It's just like, it's just a pretty sick kind of relationship. It's kind of hard to explain. Me all right? Uh, no. <laughs> I just see, hold on, let me turn on my mic level. All right. Is this any better? That's much better. Okay, cool. I'm still trying to figure out this Skype thing. Like I said, Gina, nobody's paying me to do this. This is just a hobby. No, it's all good. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I th- I think like when it with high school, um, just in general, like nobody knows who the fuck they are. So it's just you know, totally. you have these people around you, but nobody's really supportive in a sense. Like I don't. Like, I mean, I, like, it's easy for me to say that, like, I, like, people, my friends are picking on me, but I was a pretty shitty friend to a lot of people as well. And, mm-hmm. and I think it just goes double-sided. Um, so, but, so anyway, so fast forward, um, Columbine happens. Like, which, which anybody who's in our generation remembers how fucking crazy schools were right afterward. Um, and I, like, I, I know personally, like, I, I grew up in, like, the suburbs of, you know, Ohio. So there wasn't, like, anything, like, it's, I mean, like, just, uh, like, we were, like, it was a very similar area to Columbine. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just remember there were more people in schools. And, yeah, people who dressed different were, were really singled out. But I, I felt like they were just kind of picked on more by just, like, other kids. But in your case, it was a little bit different. Um. Would you mind shedding some light on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so I was, uh, I had written a story that uh, took place at the Elks Club in my town. And, um, you know, basically every, all the events in the town take place there. It's like one of the biggest halls in the town. So like, you know, school dances, proms, whatever. And um, our upcoming prom was taking place there. And the uh, group of girls I was in, I was friends with, we kind of had a falling out. So, um, that book kind of gotten perceived, it got told to the school officials that it was a kind of like a, a plan, like a death plan or, a 
a hit list was in there as well is what um, what was the message that was delivered to my school. So, you know, I was brought in and kind of investigated um, by the school and they, um, you know, they just basically asking me, it was crazy. It was, it was really weird because they were asking me in every single way if I wanted to kill people or ever thought about killing people. And then when I said, no, absolutely not, they kind of downgraded it to being like, well, have you ever thought about hurting somebody or maybe even just punching somebody? So they were really trying to get me to admit that I had some kind of violence inside of me. But of course, everybody has thought of slapping somebody from time to time. And I'm not a violent person. But so I was, um, you know, I was very naive at the time. And I was like, I don't want to lie. So I was kind of like, I don't want to continue this conversation. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that, you know, even after I gave over the, so I, sorry, let me backtrack. So I hired a lawyer. Um, and I was told by the lawyer that I should hand over my story. And I did. And they, sh- they saw how ridiculous it was. There was like a monkey in it. Um, there was people, kids getting killed with chess pieces. It's actually, I, I reread it um, while writing this piece. And it's a pretty funny story. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's like kid shit. Um, but, uh, you know, they thought I was disturbed from it, of course. Um, but uh, although they did not find it threatening. So they, the school basically, um, they never, they never really cleared me as like a potential killer. They always kind of still suspected that, I, I think. So, I think that's, so like, how, how did your parents react like as soon as you came home that day? Like, um, they were, you know, I, I try to remember if they heard about it from somebody else before what the whole murder rumors before I told them, like it just happened so fast. Um, you know, the neighbors, neighbors were freaking out about it. And, uh, people at my parents work, which was a couple towns over, um, they started hearing about it there. Um, you know, they were obviously shocked, um, and weirded out, but they, they seemed to handle it pretty well. They were, they were down at the school kind of fighting for me for a while um, and I remember my dad, he still talks about it. Um, when he went into the school, he said like, it was like chaos, like the, like the news crew was outside and kids were talking about gunplay. The word gunplay was being thrown around a lot. And, you know, it was, you just said it was complete chaos. Yeah. That's just crazy. Like, well, I just don't, it, like this pretty much all originated just by the way you dressed because you dressed so much different than everybody and you weren't you weren't like a social person for the most part. Is that like who's who first started using you? Do you know or? Um. Well, I think it was because of the. So my my, my friend and I we kind of left a, a note on my friend's car too, which was in that. So it was a combination of that, that that story. But I mean, none of that would have kind of culminated if I didn't fit the profile. Yeah. Um, you know, I listened to the same music as like the Columbine Killers, like to a T. Um, a lot of things were similar and, uh, you know, my friend, even though she was the one that wrote that note, they had no interest in her in even talking to her at all. Like I just, it was just all about me really. Cause I dressed the part and it just kind of, I, you know, I think people don't like to admit, um, to admit it, but people kind of love to have something to fear sometimes or make something more exciting. I mean, no, I don't think anybody hoped that it would happen, but it was something exciting and people like to play off that kind of fear sometimes, I think. Well, I think 
so I'm sorry, what you say? That's a huge part of what? Of our society. So yeah. if, you, if you look at uh, just even like the history, like, you know, in, in the 20s and 30s, it was like Nazism and Nazis are evil. And after Nazism, it was communism. And now it's it's this, this this war on terror like this this mm-hmm. on terror that we always have to live in fear, and I just think it's just a crock of shit. Like it's, I I I mean number one too. I mean you're picking on a 16 year old child. Like yeah, adults like fearing a 16 year old child and ganging up on a 16 year old child is just like a it's just a disgusting, gross thing to do. I mean it's oh it's, it's, oh no that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's what, like, I never look back at anger, in anger, at, like, any of the kids at all, but I was more repulsed by, like, the adults. It's like, if it was true that I did need help and I was actually considering such a thing, like, somebody should have actually really reached out, I feel like. And nobody really did. They're more just kind of like, yeah. what the fuck do we do with this thing that's in our school now? Yeah, so, like, so, like just to, like, taking it forward, like, so was it, real quick, was it mainly the principal that was going after? Was it his bosses or just pretty much everybody in the town picking up? I mean, I mean, everybody, you know, like nobody's evil or anything. Like, I feel like, like, for example, the vice principal at first, I, I think she had a lot of pressure. You know, I ended up like, she wasn't that bad at the end, um, but she had a lot of pressure. Like, the, the, after all of that, the actual principal of the school, you know, he didn't even talk to me once and I tried talking to him um and he didn't want to speak with me uh which was ridiculous so basically I think she was under a lot of pressure to do kind of damage control um and kind of show to the school and to the town that uh that everything was under control so I actually got um a a cosmetic suspension that wasn't in the article but um so I got a suspension that's not on the record just to kind of which made me look guiltier I think um that was like the agreement with a lawyer is that, which was like not the best agreement for me, but, uh, you know, I look, I looked really guilty cause I, I technically got suspended for, for nothing really. Um, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, so like now, I mean, uh, I mean now you're, you're an editor for lady gun magazine, you know, fast mm-hmm. to like today. What do you like? How do you think like all this experience like motivated you to be successful, or like to be, or to like kind of like go after your dreams, move from Vermont to New York City, and everything like that? Like, do you do you think that played a big influence in, in just like pushing you to to do the things that you like to do? Oh, absolutely. You know, in some ways, it really it really shaped my character for the better. Um, as I wrote in the article, I. I kind of, I started to play into that role of being crazy and just started dressing more extreme and kind of playing with clothes more and like the, the playing with the boundaries of what I could do with my personality. And I think it made me just a more fearless person in, in general. Like I, I really don't get nervous about petty things anymore and I don't get upset over petty things. I just kind of, you know, I'm, when I want to do something, I'll just do it. And I kind of like to push the boundaries in a positive way in life and see what I can do or what, what I can explore. Like, yeah, it totally made me a stronger and more curious and more, um, just a braver person in general. And I just, yeah, if, if I, that didn't happen, I don't think I would, I would 
be trying to push things so much with my own life. And um, it definitely gave me, I talked a lot about like wanting revenge and I don't really want revenge or anything, but I, it gave me this drive like that I needed to, to do something or I don't even know if I really need to like prove, I don't really feel like I need to prove anything to anybody, but I feel like it gave me um drive. Like it helped me get, I feel like anybody that really wants to be successful, they need some kind of drive. And I think that that definitely like added to it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's what I ever get revenge just to succeed. And I, I think that's like a, Oh, I can't hear you. <laughs> Shitty internet connection. Hold on. Uh, how about now? I can hear you perfect. All right, cool. Damn internet here and insight. Screw you, Time Warner. Buying <laughs> it's shitty. Um, so back to this. Uh, like, so, like, has anybody contacted you or gone all the way to contact you? Like, did you go to your high school union or anything like that? Or is anybody, like, gone out of the way to apologize to you for treating you like shit or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny because I feel like my situation was so extreme that I, just even a few months after high school, I had people apologizing to me. And people throughout the years have, like, a lot of people. And, you know, I didn't even, you know, need, they never really needed to, but it's always, of course, very nice and touching and I'm actually good friends with a lot of people I went to high school with that I was not friends with at all. And a lot of them I talk to on a regular basis. Um, a few of them live in New York City now, and we hang out a lot. And it's kind of like all in the past. Like, it's like a different different time, different world. Yeah. Um, and after my article, I had like an influx of more people apologizing. A few old tormentors apologized and you know, some of them said that they showed the article to like their kids and admitted to their kids that they kind of bullied me. And it's, it's just kind of cool in a way. It's like, you know, you know, people mature and people grow up. And for the most part, I mean, you know, some people are just jerks for life, but that's a different story. But in general, everybody, I think everybody's good at heart and, you know, every, people are just people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what did, um, I'm sorry. That was that was really uh, that was really nice and intelligent. What I just said there. I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> did like uh, did did like the administrators ever say anything to you, or did they ever like go out of the way to say, hey, you know, we're really sorry for making your life hell or anything like that? Like that's that's like what's more interesting to me is like like I think as kids, like I mean, like I've like I moved away from from home and I came back, and then mm-hmm. anybody that I saw because I was working at like this mall kiosk selling phones so I'd see a lot of people um, not that that's like a, a super important detail but like I would if I knew I was shitty to them I'd go out of my way to say hey sorry for being a dick to you in high school or in middle school and they always seem to appreciate it and but like I think it's like like but it also we all knew that we were children like we were we were still trying yeah. to find way in the world so like what's more interesting to me is like the adults that like were so irresponsible and just like we're just to me, insane for for treating you the way they did. Like, have they like apologized? Yeah, that's what's funny is like it it shows a lot of maturity that people that were like that are like my peers could apologize years later, um, even though they were like children with you know bad role models in terms of the school people, officials and what whatnot. Um, but no, not not too. I can't really recall any any old teachers or. Or anybody really apologizing? Um, I mean, like, I, like the vice principal. Like, I, I know at the end she kind of told me before she actually quit. Um, 
some sometime in my senior year and she she kind of told me she was kind of on my side like she knew she kind of knew that it was kind of bullshit um but you know she was under a lot of pressure and and um yeah I, I do know like there was one one of the teachers I I wrote about in there the the one that was particularly kind of not that nice to me she asked she asked about me years later and apparently like someone told her that I was doing well and I guess she, they claimed that she sounded almost disappointed like Like that I was doing well, which is kind of really, that was kind of enraging. Yeah. But I think stuff like that, that's what motivated me to be more successful. I'm like, well, I'm not like some loser. Like I'm not going to just fail at life just because that's what you expect me to do. Yeah. Can you, can you, Gina, Gina? Yeah. There we go. Awesome internet. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Internetties. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Thank God for peak hours, so internet turns shitty for everybody. Um, it's all good. Yeah, no, it's it's still fun. Um, what was I saying, though? Uh, no, I think it's interesting that I, I feel like that's such an issue for a lot of people that make... I Like, to me, like, I, I, I don't know, I question society a lot, Gina, and I just I feel like people are way more concerned about being right or defending their ego than they are about um, you know, really caring about other human beings, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's what a lot of it has to do with is, is it's not about whether she really literally wished ill on me or, you know, or cared either way if I did well or not. But I think it was, it was more disturbing to her because it would have to mean that she was wrong and nobody likes to be wrong about anything. Yeah. It's, it challenges the way you think. You're like, well, if I was wrong about that, then maybe I'm wrong about what I did there and there and there. And then you have to like question your whole life. And that's scary to most people. Like you don't want to admit that you made a wrong call or your perception may, might be off because. Or that you tormented a, <laughs> a child. Or that you tormented a child. <laughs> that was nice. Tormenting a, a yeah. child. <laughs> Kid that was already picked on. I remember like in seventh grade, uh, Nobody really likes me. I mean, like, they had good reasons to not like me. Like, I didn't have a very good attitude. But I remember, like, this one teacher would even make fun of me. And I was just like, like, how, how as an adult can you kind of get sucked into, like, the collective, collective mind of children? If that yeah, makes- I never got that. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, I, I think about, like, I see, like, 19-year-olds now. And I'm like, I don't think, like, what kind of an asshole would I be at 30 years old to be, like, to make fun of a 19 or even a 20 year old, like to me, they're still kids. But like, if I was, uh, if I at this age or 10 years forward was making fun of a, like a fucking 12 year old, like what kind of a, what kind, what kind of a, what does that say about me? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, there's obviously some, yeah, I remember like in fifth grade, I had, I don't know, like my elementary school years, I had some teachers that were, that were really like, I, you could tell that they got joy out of like harassing kids. And it wasn't just me. And, like, at the time, it seemed completely normal because you're a kid. You don't know any better. But when you look back and you you think about it and you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, why why was he doing that? Yeah, I, th- I think that we should probably. I mean, I think, like, the whole, like the whole shooting issue, I think, in general, is, is like, an issue of, can you hear me okay? Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of an issue of, like, mental illness in our society. And, and I really feel like, you know, our patients, our education system is so out of whack, and I really feel like anybody can become a 
it's, I don't think necessarily is a good thing. Like, I really think that you should have, like, we should consider, I don't know, this is just in my head, but implementing some psychological test that makes it like you you, you have emotional intelligence to get teacher. Does that make sense? So you said that people that teach, they should uh, get some kind of test about uh, their emotional intelligence. Is that what you asked? In psychological evaluation. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that that would be that would be cool because you know a lot of times you have teachers or coaches that are kind of just reliving their that what what they feel like they lacked in high school and they're kind of like reliving it vicariously through these kids or they're just trying to make friends with like the popular kids which is pretty sick at that age. No, I completely agree. Oh shit! You, can you hear me? Okay, Gina. I can hear you now. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I have to like really mount this thing for you for you to hear it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I agree. Like you know, I had a I think like for me which which kind of gave me a lot of drive was I had a football coach who I really looked up to because I didn't. I, it's not that I didn't have male role models, but like I really looked up to him as like a, a father figure. And mm-hmm. it was like my junior year, and it was like the first day of like contact. And again, like, I think I only played football because people told me I should play football. Like, I'm kind of, like, I always, like, kind of dive into, like, why I've made decisions or, you know, what, what, what was, what was, what was kind of prompting me to, to get on a path that I was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember since so the first day of contact and we were doing this tackling drill and I just went to block this guy and I just felt this sharp pain in my leg. And then I, like, afterward, like, like, I... Like, the dude blew me over, and then he basically called me a pussy. Like, how could you be so big and let some little guy push you around? And then I, I pulled up my knee pad, and I, excuse me, I saw this big, like, welt on my knee. And I'm like, well, that can't be good. And then I, I sat out, and I ended up getting an MRI, and it, like, it said that I, I stretched every single ligament out in my knee, and I tore uh, my vastus medialis in my quad, which is, like, that middle quadriceps muscle. Oh, God. And my coach, like, instead of, like, being concerned for me, was just, because I wasn't, like, as good, like, if I would have been, like, a more talented football player, he probably would have been, like, oh, he's really hurt. He, like, said, um, like, said to me, like, how come I bet on, I bet the other coaches on when you were going to get hurt. And what? It, yeah, I was just, like, I'm fucking 16 years old, you fucking asshole. Like, I was just thinking, like, but at the oh, time... Like, I was such, like, I was so brainwashed, and I was so into, like, the group think of, like, fitting this other person's expectations that had he not said that to me, I wouldn't be who I am today. So it's just, like, this this double-sided thing. Like, yeah, oh, totally. fucking asshole, but at the same time, you know, I'm glad that he said that to me. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, that kind of just proved, like, I don't know. If, if he didn't say that, you probably would have continued on with it, and you didn't know his inner feelings or what he was really thinking. Yeah. And that probably changed what you your whole perception of the whole thing, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, it was a total wake-up. But that's terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, like for some, I don't know, like, that's why your your essay really resonated with me. And I think it's probably a big reason why it's, it's resonated with everybody. Like, everybody's, like, has, like, probably not to your extreme, but, like, everybody has, like, these these things in our past that have kind of shaped our character. And I think like it's, it's important for people to kind of rise above it and keep going after things versus like caving into it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm I'm just, yeah, I'm so happy that people, like I was shaking so much when 
that article published because I wasn't sure how people would respond, you know, comparing myself to like a school shooter essentially after the last one, which was like the, maybe one of the worst yeah. things ever. Yeah. So I, I'm just so happy that, you know, people can relate to it and that some of these things can be spoken about because I feel like a lot of a lot of these topics, nobody really wants to go into depth about. Everyone knows bullying, quote unquote, is bad. And but nobody really goes into like how we are all we're all like perpetrators of bullying. We're all of us like I was, too, at some points. And, you know, I, just human nature. I don't know. But I think like and also like more importantly, like they talk about school bullying, but they, don't, they never talk about the teachers. The teachers? Yeah, like they never talk about the teachers of school bullying. It's yeah, it's true. And so many people have actually reached out to me and that, you know, that um, that they, too, were bullied. And even kids from my high school that I thought were popular, they were talking to me recently on the phone or um, through messages that they were bullied by some of the teachers at our school, too, because, you know, you know, no one really is in the clear with that kind of stuff. It's I think that's the worst, to be honest. Like, you know, you can't really control and you can't destroy bullying. That's a human thing. But. But the teachers should be watching it better and at the very least not contributing to it. Yeah. You know, teachers, yeah, you know, teachers should be looking out for the kids. Like they, they noticed when people were getting bullied and they could see that they were, saw what was going on. And, you know, they're not stupid. Um, you know, I think that they and the school administrators should take a you know, larger role in, in that. And at, at the very most, at the very least, like they should not be be a part of it because the, these kids, like they really don't have. If teachers are harassing students or further outcasting someone that's already targeted, then what do we expect these children to do? Like, of course, they're going to do the same thing, if not worse, because their role models are so poor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, these questions, Gina. Sorry. It's okay. Trying to, trying to stay on track here. You're fine. It's great. <laughs> um. So that actually is kind of there, but I actually have more questions. Like, so what, um, like how many people have approached you to, cause I was joking. I don't want to say who, but I, I was, I have a very strong opinion that somebody pretty much plagiarized your article, but I'm not going to say who, but oh, really? <laughs> what's that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but how many people like have like, like, have you read, like I, I saw like just different photos, like, like how, do you know how much your article has been redistributed? Um, I don't, I don't know. I know the Huffington Post um, redistributed it. Um, the UK Daily Mail, um, they, they did a piece on that, and a few other smaller publications shared it. I, I don't know how many people have viewed it. I know that Vice translated it um, in Italian and French. And I know it was also in Portugal. So I've had people from like all over the world kind of contact me. Um, and uh, looks like I probably, I don't like to say things are going to get published until they get published. But in the next day or so, I might have a piece in, in Newsweek as well. That's awesome. That's really Thanks. Awesome. How, uh, so what, what actually attracted you to get into journalism? Like what, 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 what motivated you to become a journalist? Um, well, I've always been, as you can tell from my, my very popular Elk Club book, I've always been a writer. Um, I love writing. Like I, since I was a little kid, I've been writing and I wrote every day, you know, through, throughout high school and college. 
And uh, I went to school for film, but and worked in TV for a while. But I, I didn't never really loved it like the way I love writing. So it was only a couple of years ago I decided that I really wanted to try to get into writing. And I feel like when I take like the more journalistic approach, that that's the most natural way for me. So. So I just started, you know, trying to get my work out there and doing a lot of free gigs and going to events and writing up events for little local papers and and it eventually some like in art journalism and um, and being an editor. So yeah, it's just a lot of hard work, but I, I didn't I don't have any technical background in writing. Well, you're you're a good writer. I think oh, thank you. It's more emotion. It's you can touch people's emotions. I think a lot of times that's more important than technicality. Like, I know, personally, I'm at a point in my life where I don't know what the fuck I want to do. That's why I started this podcast. It's like a, a form of therapy. That's good. Anything that makes you happy. Yeah, no, it's been pretty cool. It's been uh, like it's, it's been a positive experience. But um, anyways, unfortunately, we're here to talk about you, not me. We're going to hear about <laughs> it all the time. So, uh, <laughs> so, like, do you like it? Do you... That was a really good question there. How did you end up writing with Lady Gun and everything like that? Or becoming an editor? Um, it's funny. For Lady Gun, I actually... So I was writing for um, a few magazines at the time I was writing. I always like, I always end up writing for gun magazines, which is were gun-named magazines. Like another one I was writing for was Bullet, which is in like another like um, media, like a music and art magazine. I was writing for them, and I was writing for few other art magazines and about bands and stuff and um i just you know i wanted to try to up the ante on the level of magazine that i was contributing for because like as a writer or artist or musician like it's so hard to know what the right steps to do to move up in the world so in that world so i actually just went to barnes and noble and like looked through all the magazines and looked at the ones that i thought were cool and i just emailed um the magazines i really liked yeah. And I wrote to the editor in chief, and she gave me a call and asked if I wanted to write for them, and that was how that happened, really. What? How did you end up uh, writing the article advice? Um, I had actually been pitching to them a little bit. I've been talking to one of the editors there, and and uh, I pitched them one other story, and this this particular story he really he really seemed to like, so he you know told me to go for it, and we spent about three weeks. Um, uh, working on the drafts, I originally, I didn't even name, you know, Barry, the hometown or anything, because I wanted to kind of keep it anonymous. Yeah. Um, but of course, like, you know, Vice is, they're so cool now with like their, a lot of their journalism is pretty like legit. So I couldn't just do this like fabled story because, you know, they I could be making it up. So I had to show them newspaper articles and, and uh, I think that's the best way is to throw it all on the table. I think so too. Like I, I think that's been the approach. Like a lot of people, uh, like well, number one, I think it's important that people know that how irresponsible that that community was in a sense. Like I, I think that like that light, your light, the light of what happened should be shined on that community. And I'm not saying that they're bad people, but I think in the, just the sense that like it's just like the whole, I don't know, just look, look at the whole Steubenville thing. Like look at the whole Steubenville thing. Oh, that that's been like swept under the rug. Like that was swept under the rug until it was exposed. I'm not yeah. different, but what I'm like, what I'm what I'm really saying is, is it's just like you can't be tolerant of intolerance. If that makes it's true. Sense. Yeah, it's true. Like people want to kind of pretend like certain things didn't happen, and you know, 
it's I'm, I'm very uh, conflicted about how I feel about Barry. You know, I mean, on one hand, like I I wrote that article and I thought that I, I made myself I'm surprised that I was surprised that people looked at me as a victim after writing that because I feel like I admitted like what I did wrong. Like I still like after all these years kind of feel guilty because, you know, I wasn't I mean, nobody is 100 percent innocent. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I still felt like maybe I did bring it on and. At certain points I did, but for the majority of it, not really. Um, and even to this day, you know, um, some people from the town, like I, I, I talked to a few, a few of my friends, and they, one of them in particular, told me that he, um, last time he went back there for Christmas, people were still, when he brought my name up, referring to me as bomb threat girl. So like these things don't really, these things don't really go away, really. Like, so. Do your parents still live there? Or you don't have to say where your parents live. That's um, <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Okay. Okay. Like uh. <laughs> they live at 139. <laughs> <laughs> Elm Street. Everybody on the internet know where your parents live. That that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was that made perfect sense there. Um, uh, <laughs> I was gonna ask you something else, but we got a little tangent there. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so so uh. Yeah, so what are you doing now? Like, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about your crazy art. So I went to your Tumblr page. I think, <laughs> you know, go to ginatron.tumblr.com or www.ginatronic.com, and you can see some very interesting art pieces that Gina does. <laughs> if you want to call that art. <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of, it reminds me of, I don't know why. Whenever I see it, I think of Tim and Eric for some reason, or I think of... Like some, I'll take that. I'll accept that. I love Tim and Eric. Like some spaghetti. Some crazy cartoon that you would see on Adult Swim, that it doesn't have really like great art, but it's still really funny and it still kind of pulls you in. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you know, actually, it's funny. I make those drawings. They take me like five minutes, um, just to keep myself entertained and sane. Actually, my um my main job, actually my nine to five job, is actually at a uh, Catholic television station. No way. Yeah, so which is which completely which is completely goes against everything I've been writing about in some ways, but uh <laughs> it's yeah, nobody can believe it, but it's you know, it's a 9 to 5 job, but I I kind of I I work in TV production there, so I'm a technical director. I'm alone in like this control room all day. So I kind of draw those pictures to entertain myself and everyone seems to like it, so whatever. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, did you, did you grow up Catholic at all? Like, looking at a Catholic station, like, I, the only reason why I asked that is I grew up Catholic, and I refuse to have any, uh, I'm not trying to shit on Catholics at all, but, like, my mom, she works for a Catholic, uh, she works, like, for the Catholic diocese where I live, mm-hmm. and she's, like, she's a social worker, and she posted, like, a pro-life thing, or a pro-choice thing on her Facebook. Uh-oh. Realized that, oh, shit, I could have lost my job over that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's uh no, I didn't grow up Catholic. My my parents were both were both raised Catholic and then I was raised I was raised pretty loose. Like we went to Unitarian Church, which is like the most loose Christian church I think ever. I think we were like the first church in my town that like openly accepted gays into the into like the um the mass and what whatnot. Um but, uh, you know, I'm pretty open-minded with religion, but, yeah, there's definitely, 
I don't know. My my job's weird. It's it's a. Uh, I probably shouldn't talk too much about it. Probably not. We'll uh, we'll stop talking about your job. <laughs> now you pay your bills, so you can do your fun stuff too. So we'll, yeah. we'll get away from your job there. <laughs> to edit some of that shit out. That was probably a bad bad decision on my part again. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you like? What are you doing now? So like what? What upcoming things are you excited about? Uh, like, uh, I don't know, Brooklyn's a pretty exciting place for, I think, journalism and just people just trying to get after My buddy lives in, actually lives in Williamsburg. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he works. He's a promoter at, I don't even know what club, but he's a he's like a club. I don't know if he's a club promoter. Like, he basically just promotes for the venue. Mm-hmm. It's like he signs, like, artists to go to perform there and stuff like that. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know why I brought that up. That was that was pretty worthless too, but I'm just teasing. So. Everything everything's good. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a bunch of projects coming up. Like I, I'm I'm editor in chief for this magazine um, for Williamsburg Fashion Weekend. Williamsburg Fashion Weekend is basically like the anti-fashion week. Well, not anti, but it's um it's at the end of every fashion week. It's kind of like the more avant-garde, crazier. Is it um, your fashion show? Is it what? Is it the hipster fashion show? You could say that. Some some may say that. <laughs> some it, it has been called that. It's so fun though. It's like basically like you know it's not straight runway. It's just it's just like a bunch of local designers and so a lot of them. Well, all of them are really talented and it's a it's a good range of it's like some are really wearable and like not not even that crazy um, at all. But others are just completely off the wall. So I've been. Um, working on that this week because it's going to be it's going to be in a few weeks the show but i've been working on the magazine like just doing some fun photo shoots for that and that's been great and then working on some upcoming articles um and i'm talking to somebody this week because i'm trying to i have a few books that i want to try to get published and actually they had nothing to do with high school yeah yeah no that's cool i can hear you yeah I know, I was just saying that's cool. I've read some of your other articles, too. Like, you ever oh, really... did you? Yeah, I read the Boys Noise one. I'm a fan of Boys. Oh, cool. I was trying oh, to... Dude, he was so great. Was he? Yeah, it was funny how you were saying that, how cute he was, and then you described all these, like, really unattractive things, like a unibrow. <laughs> stuff like that, but it was just funny. Um, but, yeah, like, so how can uh, how can people read your articles? Like, where, have you published most of your articles with Lady Gun? Yeah, um, I sh- they're going to have another issue. I think it's going to be coming out in March. Um, it's going to be called, I believe it's going to be, actually, I don't know if I can tell say what the name of it's going to be, but in March, there's going to be another issue, probably March or April, and I will definitely be in that one. And so that'll be in, that's in Barnes & Noble, so that you can get that there. Um, I'm going to be updating my website to add a few more articles that I had previously written on um, ginatronic.com. And yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I have my, my, um, my author page now on Facebook. I'll just upload any upcoming articles there and make sure that I have anything anybody wants to read on my website. And, um, as soon as I get a book published, which hopefully is soon, you know, I'll put the link of where people can purchase that. Sorry, what? Can you hear me? Yeah. (laughs) Can you share what the book's going to be about or, like, give any teasers about it? Is it- mm. it's, uh, well, there's there's two I'm trying to get published. They're both they're both pretty juicy. They're, I, can't, I don't know if I can talk about the topic yet, but 
It's kind of in some ways along the same lines of the article in the sense that it's it's honest. It's about my life, but it's like topics that people don't really want to talk about. Okay. Um, but it would it might yeah it's it's not just about me like doing fashion shit or you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty ballsy so. Well, that's pretty cool. But I think that's what people want. I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like I had a few people tell me like, oh, after this article, I don't know if you should publish that. Because it's kind of, um, you know, you might not look like a good role model. It's like, basically, it's about other rocky times in my life. But I feel like as a writer, like, the times I write the best or the the times that are worth writing about are always when you're in a bad state of mind. And that's when you really get into the, the human psyche, I think. Well, that's that's what it helps people to know. I think, like, you have to, you have to share. What? <laughs> can you hear me? No. Okay. Now I can. All right. That's so weird. Maybe I have to just talk right here. Maybe that's... Now I can hear you perfectly. <laughs> so, uh, I th- but I think that's like the, that's, I think that's so important in just like your like development as a human being, like just developing yourself as a person is, like, like I, I guess that's what pisses me off about a lot of funerals, is because they only talk about the good things of people, but that's not what that's not really who that person was. Like, nobody's perfect. Like, I, yeah. People want to know what you've struggled with because it makes you human. I mean, we all, like, it's, that's part of the human experience is the struggle. Like, the struggle is so important, and sharing your struggles is what's the most helpful for you. Absolutely, yeah. If you don't talk about it, then you can't learn from it, and neither can anybody else. Like, I, I have a lot of respect for people that can talk about their flaws, and I, I, I will, like, throw out all my flaws on the table. Like, I, I think it's better that way cause, because, first of all, I'm a terrible liar. And it takes so much work and effort to lie. And, you know, people are not going to hate you because you, you you fucked up or you, you made a mistake. Like, you know, you just have to own up to things because everybody makes mistakes. I think what's what's bad is when you try to pretend that you are perfect and, you know, because nobody is. And eventually the truth comes out. Like, people will find out what your flaws are. No matter how, like, the harder you try to hide what your flaws are, like, it's going to come out so much worse. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, that or anything like that. Are you hearing feedback? Um, I don't hear any feedback, no. Cool. I just want to make sure. Um, so anyways, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, it's just, it kind of, to me, like, what you just said is just like, you know, never trust somebody who pretends they have all the answers. And it's, Absolutely. Like, you don't, like, I mean, I'd rather hear... I mean, like, I'm, like I, I think, like, for me with this podcast, like, that's been the, the, the most, the best thing for me is just, like, like, I went through this rough stage. Like, I, I ended up getting a DUI. Two months later, I, I was transitioning from one job to another. And then mm-hmm. I quit my first job. Um, the other company rescinded their offer to me, so then I was just unemployed. And it was just, like, kind of this culmination of events that was taking place in my life. And it was just getting really chaotic. But it's like, you know, you know what, what are you, what's going on? Like, what should I be learning from this? And I think a lot of times if, if you don't, if you don't like pay attention or you don't like address you, yourself, you're just going to, I mean, if, if you hide all your faults, you're never going to learn. I mean, we're never going to learn. I know I'm kind of beating it. Uh, I think not enough people really realize that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when you were going through that, that's probably like the best, like it sucks when you're going through basically what it sounds like you're talking about. It's like a downward spiral of what's going on. And I feel like. 
whenever you're at your lowest point or like everything's kind of going wrong in your life or it's a combination of, of, of things, like you're at your most desperate and most vulnerable, but you should like embrace that because you can learn so much from that, I think. And that's a, that's a time like you can either take it for good or you can completely go off the deep ends. But that's when you learn the most about yourself because you're, you're like rawest, I think. When it's so easy when you have like a stable job stable girlfriend or boyfriend, stable this and this, and everything looks perfect to, like, try to pretend like everything's great. But, you know, you know, it, it takes something like that to show, like, how how fragile we are. And Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I, and I think, like, sort of, like, how much I've fucking hated my life before. Like, the, like the events that I was... Like basically, everything was... Like, everything was in, in relationship with myself like just being unhappy mm-hmm. because like I was in a sales job so I pretended like I, I just cared about money and I just like now I'm just like I don't even care I'm really just trying to get two part time jobs for, just to survive and have fun podcasting because I don't I think we fuck with me. that sense like does that make sense no totally absolutely yeah and it's just like and it's just so freeing to I think for people I think people in general like just care too much about what people think or they get too sucked into their their thinking process in a sense. Like they don't challenge their own thinking process or they don't they don't try to put themselves in, in situations where um, they're gonna grow or they don't they don't really understand why they think the way they think. Like it's more of an emotional attachment to to like maybe their ego versus that them actually knowing that this is this is who I am. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. So I think, like, for me, like, I mean, it was with the help of, like, eating about an eighth of mushrooms. Like, that really helped. <laughs> and I think, like, but it's just, like, I, I think we just make things too complex. Like, it's, it's just all about, it's just all about, like, love. Like, loving other people. Loving yourself. Like, most importantly, loving yourself. So if you love, oh, yeah. love other people. And I think, uh, like, not to get, like, too too cheesy and i say this like all the time on the podcast but i I think it's just because people don't like people don't hear what you say they hear what you keep saying and i just think that it's it's just important for people to know that so um i don't really know what point i was trying to make there though no but i I agree with you like i think you know it's really not that like life is not that complicated like just you know love yourself and treat other people with respect and and be honest like but like it's so hard for most people and it's i mean for me too for a while like it's hard for everybody really but it's it's so easy when you think about it but people put up all these people have all these ideas of like what they should be or shouldn't be or they get scared that that somebody's gonna see a flaw in them and and hate them for it so they they put up all these walls and go through all these hoops to try to prove that they're like somebody else but but really like the people that will love you the most are the people that will see your flaws and they don't give a shit like I feel like the people that really the people that you're trying to impress, if you can spend all this time like trying to impress people, but no matter what, you're not going to impress certain people. But the people that really will love you, no matter what, no matter what you do, they're going to be there anyway. Yeah, so that's really what, what matters. No, I completely agree, hundred percent. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's just so true. And I think another thing too, like I, it just kind of clicked with me. It's like you know, people are saying to you, like, don't share so much personal information, and I think it's because. Like, people say that to me a lot right now. It's like, mm-hmm. I have a podcast. of marijuana in my podcast. And like, I don't smoke right now. Like, I just, like, I used to a lot, but I just think it's, it's fucking stupid. 
before that I I fucking say that hey I ate maple mushrooms and like people get like all weirded out but it's like but people like that I think like you know I I like it because it's like you know I don't know it's, it's, I think it's good yeah it's honesty and I think that's that's pretty much it but anyways Gina I am actually um I'm gonna try and wrap this up here but you're actually the first female ever to be on the sample hour so how does that make you feel Ooh, I am honored I am honored thank you girl yeah it's uh. It's, it's good. Maybe I'll get some more female listeners now. I'm just teasing. <laughs> uh, but I'd love to have you on again, and we can talk about um, current events, or we can talk about whatever. But I just think, uh, I just want to kind of shed light on your story and talk to you. I mean, like, yeah, your story was really moving. Like, it, just your essay was just really, um, yeah, it just was, it's just very powerful. So um, I'll retweet that out later when I when I get this out. I should get it out later tonight, but... um. Anyways, thanks for joining me. And then, real quick, anything else you want to plug or uh, anything like that? Well, follow you on Twitter, number one. It's, uh, what is it? It's Gina Tron. It's uh, underscore Gina Tron. Underscore Gina Tron. Yep. Go to her website. Uh, go to her Tumblr. And what else? Promote something. Whatever you want to say. Um, hmm. Keep an eye out for my books. Should be coming out soon, I believe. So, and if they are. So. Yeah, but no, thank you for having me on. Like, this is super fun, and you're <laughs> awesome. It's I, I'd be happy to come on again. Thank you for thinking of me. Oh yeah, not a problem. No, I'm always trying to talk to people. So, um, yeah, anytime. But anyways, yeah, I'm uh, but, uh, it was awesome having you on, and uh, I'll see. You. Of course, now it cuts out. What'd you say? Okay. <laughs> the, the very end. I just said. You said it was awesome having you on, and what? I was like, what? It's you as well, like Twitter and Facebook. So, um, and we'll 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 schedule you on again soon. Does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, Gina. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. <laughs>